All right, welcome back to Better Coverage, episode 2727. Guess what? It's another good one. We get the blood flowing early with a few red zone rants. We go over some very interesting week five trends. I know there's some must-see presidential debates going on, but maybe Theo and I should join the next one because we don't agree on many games this week, but we end up aligning on our favorite five plays. And hold on, what, what's that smell? I think you smell five in a week coming up. I feel it, I feel it deep in my loins. I bet you feel it too. I won't say loins again. As always, follow us on Twitter at, at @bettercoverage and leave us a five-star review. We'd greatly appreciate it. I think that does it. Let's get into it. What up? Welcome to Better Coverage. Yep. We do it? It is your fault this time. I know. Once in a blue moon. I was actually ready to go at like 8.50 and I was going to comment how we started early, but then uh, my microphone's got a cord that I use for numerous things. I had to go find it and then uh, my computer just started saying initializing. I don't even know what that means. That like between, I don't know. I've never heard that word. I don't know what that meant, but I think it was initializing my, my microphone, but here we are. Here we are. Sub cover crew. I like cover crew. Still the crew. Theo betting weekend had a big one, huh? Oh yeah, had a big one. Went nine and zero in college football, which was fantastic. It's pretty good. Yeah, some would say. Changing five hundred. And then eleven and four in NFL. Pretty good weekend overall. But only three and two in the picks. <laughs> but only three and two in the picks. Yeah. So, we need I'll to. Uh, are you are you down for writing? Uh, we can collaborate on a college football article every every Friday or Saturday. We can see what we can string together. The thing is, this this is where it gets a little bit tricky, Let's and I, I think you and I overall yeah. approach sports betting a little bit differently. And I think this has been the case for a long time. And I think that's kind of why it works well together. Is you look at tons of trends and tons of personnel and things like that. And I almost solely look at statistics. Right. Um, so you, you're so saying your articles would be boring. It, exactly. It's from, I guess, a, a viewer base. It's not the most like exciting thing, but it's not necessarily like this cookie cutter like response. Is that, that the sound a cookie cutter makes? Uh, yeah, sure it is. Wow. Interesting. And as far as the write-ups, I, I think that's kind of like your strong point. Yeah, why don't you just, uh, you know, I can make anything anything entertaining. Why don't you just send me, I'll ask you your favorite five college plays. <laughs> then I'll write it up. Week four recap, I went one, three, and one. I think that that golf trip I talked about this weekend did impact because I didn't have time to look at like the latest updates on injuries and stuff. And I just didn't have time to fully digest everything. That's the excuse I'm giving because what I left on Thursday and I really only had a few hours throughout the week, but. Here's an idea. Why don't you give me half the money you were gonna bet and we'll go out back, I'll kick you in the nuts and we'll call it a day. Side note, golfing 36 holes really isn't that hard if you put your mind to it from the beginning. It's, no, it's kind of awesome. Not. Yeah. I think it's like bad for the 19th hole. And then you're like, wow, this is great. 
Go over the rest of them. Uh, so the rest of them, so myself and our combined one both went three and two this past week. So that brings us to 12 and eight for both picks, which is 60% against the spread tied for 144th currently. But I looked at all our picks and I think all but one, it might've been all of them. I'll relook at it. Basically, if you teased all our picks, you would have won every single game so far to date. Like we have not lost a single game by a blowout or anything like that. We've been in it to the fourth quarter for every single pick. So teasing our picks, always an option, probably something and something I have been doing, but uh, I'll continue to do that, especially this week. Um, This was also the end of week four. So it was the first quarterly bonus. Um, So they paid out for this first, second and third. So first place, I uh, got $100,000, which uh, this entry went 18 and two or 90%, Not bad. which I, I think that was probably my expectation going into this. If, if you wanted to win that uh, bonus, uh, second was 16, three and one or 84.2%. They won $25,000. And then for third, there was a three way tie at 16 and four, which I thought was, um, probably a little bit worse than I was expecting. It's still 80%, which is obviously awesome. Um, but just in a pool of, you know, 1300 or something around there, I, I did expect like basically 18 and two, 17, 17, two and one and like 17 and one. So that last one split 10,000. So just gives a pace for the quarterly ones. That's basically the expectation going forward to win those quarterly bonuses first place handle odbmg2 do you think that stands for anything or is it just just random numbers are we getting trolled by a robot um it definitely stands for something odbmg2 old dudes be my go-to it's probably a grandma yeah most, most likely she works at a starbucks and she's just crushing the super contest yeah season to today tom lippard tom lippard <laughs> Do you have a rant? Uh, yeah, I got some rants. Let's hear it. You know what really grinds my gears? Uh, so my red zone rant is fake laws. Fake laws. Um, yeah, so these are, these are like laws that they exist. I don't even know if they're laws or rules or whatever, but, uh, things that like exist, but we'll get to it. So you you know, you know, you don't have to listen to them. Uh, yeah, so I was recently. You're like murder. This, <laughs> yeah, I was recently at this outside outside taco stand thing where it's like an outside seating only situation. I got it. Um, because of everything going on, and there was a very strict one drink per person, and they said <laughs> this as you were ordering. So law wise, whether this is like a city <laughs> ordinance or whatever. Yeah. They're trying to prevent too much drinking. But what was happening was basically when everybody had like a half a drink left, they would be like, oh yeah, like, can I get a beer or whatever? And the people serving were basically like, yeah, but you can only have one. So everybody was just chugging their half drinks, which was creating the exact opposite of whoever created this rule or law or whatever. <laughs> people are just getting slammed. Wanted to happen or people are getting slammed because people are just chugging the rest of their drinks. So it's just people like an absolute Spanish, even if they don't even know how to do it. And it, it's, just, so it's just like a totally unreasonable um, expectation 
to like hold to those standards when like it can easily be manipulated like that yeah people love to make make laws that can just be manipulated but at the end of the day like people are sound like they're having a good time i don't know what you're ranting about it's like they just got to drink a bunch it's just like why does it even exist then like what's the point I hear you. Mine is uh, MLB interviews during the playoffs. We were texting about this. It yeah. seems like they they kept they they're constantly doing it. It's obviously not planned, but during like big innings. And regardless, when I'm watching as a White Sox fan and I see a A's player in the outfield with a headpiece in, it's just I don't want to listen to it. And it's like they're always usually pretty super awkward. The guy was saying like, "Can you hear me?" a bunch. He, the one time he said, can you hear me? And it was purely because the announcers weren't asking him any questions. Yeah. And it's like, they showed that the White Sox had a man on second and they hit it up the middle and he ran in and fixed his earpiece as he was trying to pick up the ball <laughs> to throw it home. And it's just like awkward when you see another team hitting home runs while the guy's in the outfield and he's mic'd up and just like, shit, that ball was crushed. Yeah, uh, they were getting smoked and uh yeah, I had responded to you like, there's no way he's enjoying this. We should not be interviewing. We can do it during the regular season, not during playoffs. I, I like uh, players being mic'd up, but not the interview. Like, I, I like I hearing, yes. you know, the emotion and stuff like that, um, but not the interview, not for me. So and even <laughs> I, I texted you this as well. It just popped in my head, but um, I can't re- remember which announcer said it, but they were like, I know that some viewers view this as cringeworthy. <laughs> yeah, that's what like, my brother You guys Brian even know people hate this? <laughs> right. That's what uh, I think they probably got feedback. I didn't hear that because I put it on mute. That's how much I didn't like it. But yeah, apparently they're like, apparently some of you thought that was really awkward, but we don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> Clearly you do. Not about it. My soon to be sponsor is also probably similar to a Red Zone rant, but this is a rare situation where technology, in my opinion, has actually gone backwards. What happened to picture in picture? Do you remember this growing up? Like you'd have yeah. a little box on the bottom right. Sure, it was tiny, but I had a TV growing up that you could split the entire screen 50-50. Right now, we should have like 15 things going at once. You can do it with your computer, but on smart TVs, maybe I'm... I don't have, I want on my controller, the PIP option. And I'm soon to be sponsoring that because I, I want that to happen. And maybe, maybe if we get the word out there, someone will, someone will look into it. I agree. It, it should just turn into split screen, mm-hmm. um, which would be awesome. But yeah, why can't I just like split it in four and watch four things at once? Oh, maybe it's one of those laws that you were talking about. Maybe. Uh, mine, mine is masks and not to go down that road too Uh-oh. much but aside <laughs> from the yeah aside from the virus utility it it provides other valuable protections uh, I, I was walking was into, this also at the mexican restaurant <laughs> it might have been after you hear this um so i was walking into the elevator as somebody stepped off in my apartment building and this horrible human being trapped me <laughs> unleashing an ungodly fart in the elevator as they got off that didn't happen it it did but i was like like a person that was going to do that um i i don't really think i was like paying attention okay and then it just like caught me off guard once they trapped me (laughs) oh um but i was like dang this actually has like competitive competitive defense but yeah he probably came from the taco place 
Yeah, that's where the taco place came in. He was like, you got to go there. You can just house drinks at all times. <laughs> all right, everyone wear their masks due to farts. Um, <laughs> Don't nobody go in the bathroom for about 35, 45 minutes. Somebody open the window. Uh, mini, mini rant, because I was on a golf trip this weekend. Xfinity, you can only stream it if you're at, if you're at home Wi-Fi. It's a problem. It is a problem. And as well as things where I forgot about it. So I was all set up, ready to go for red zone. And then I didn't test it out because I, I just had the website open. Right when the game started, I was like, oh my God. Then I had to go searching for, you know, those crazy websites. I was streaming from like dudeslovestreams.org oh, yeah. or something. And then there was yeah. all those ads you have to click through. Kind of virus. Yeah. There was like, in order to watch a game, you need to click through like 18 ads one of them is like watch march simpson have sex with peter griffin here like what is happening here <laughs> I, don't, I don't i just want to watch red red zone let me do it but xfinity wi-fi we need to figure that out yeah especially because you're paying for it i mean that's on. what i mean like i get that you're trying to but like maybe allow one person on any device to stream from anywhere yeah that's fair Season to date favorites are 29, 32, and two against the spread. They're 42, 20, and one straight up. Home teams against the spread, 28, 33, and one. Again, just reiterating that it seems like away teams just are having a, an easier time scoring because they don't have to worry with crowd noise and they can get their play calls in, which has led to overs going 37 and 25, covering by an average of five points per game. I think it's like the second straight week that all afternoon games went over, which is nice. But then you see that and you're like, well, I might as well bet all the afternoon, like the late afternoon games over. And then those have typically went under. So I don't know what the trend is there, but it seems like these noon games have just been crushing the over first half overs are 40, 21 and two. So hitting at an even higher rate than the full game overs. And 2020 has seen the highest average combined score through the first four weeks, dating back to 1994. Uh, one thing to note that it is the fifth week. Preseason is usually four weeks. So maybe defenses now, now have had those four weeks and step it up and maybe you get values with unders. But I personally, I'm probably still going to bet overs until it proves unprofitable. I don't know. Um, if you look at this week, there's, I think, five totals that are 54 and above. Um, so I, I think everybody's starting to take notice and, um, again, like sports books aren't just going to sit back and continuously lose on this. When does it regress? Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Week four highlights. Broncos kick things off with a wild 37, 28 win against the Jets. New York is a complete disaster and Adam Gase somehow still has a job. Ravens bounce back and win in blowout fashion, 31, 17. Looks like Dwayne Haskins' era is officially over for now. Lions go up early again, this time jumping to a quick 14-0 lead, but Detroit shuts down per usual, and Saints win 35-29. Teddy Bridgewater looks like the real deal as the Panthers beat the Cardinals 31-21 to move to 2-2 on the year. I'm assuming Arizona fans are starting to get a little worried here. Burrow gets his first win 33-25 against the Jags. Nixon wins a lot of people their fantasy matchups. Texans are a complete disaster as they lost to the winless Vikings and then fired their head coach, Bill O'Brien, immediately after. Seattle wins yet another one-score game, somehow cover yet again, beating the Dolphins 31-23. Browns-Cowboys have themselves some sort of backyard football game as the Browns win 49-28. Dak throws for over 500 yards and his team still loses. 
Chargers had a 24-7 lead against the Bucks, like we just talked about. Eckler goes down. L.A. fumbles at their own 10-yard line. Brady really never looks back from there, lights up the Chargers, and pulls off the 38-31 victory. Rams win an ugly game, 17-9 versus the Giants. Colts win an even uglier one, 19-11 versus the Bears. Bills prove once again that they're the real deal as they go into Vegas and beat the Raiders 30-23. Josh Allen throws for 288 yards, two touchdowns, and zero interceptions. Eagles pull off the upset of the day, being the Nick Mullins-led 49ers 25-20. Mullins had a terrible, one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen and turns it over about three or four times. Gets pulled in the fourth quarter for C.J. Beathard. Cam Newtonless Pats stayed in the game against the Chiefs, shutting down Mahomes through three quarters, but Edelman let a wide-open pass bounce off his hands, which Kansas City returned for a touchdown. Chiefs win 26-10, and Packers win another Easy one, 30-16. Falcons are a complete mess, and Rodgers continues to look unstoppable. Somehow Dan, still, Dan Quinn still has a job. I don't know how, but it's happening. What are your takeaways, Theo? Um, I, I don't think there was anything outside of basically injuries that really changed my mind on any teams. Yeah, well, <clears throat> one main thing I'd say is that from the beginning of the season, I was saying Panthers over is one of my favorite win totals. It just – they were they were slated to be the worst team in the NFL, and that just didn't seem – no matter what the number was, I'm like, I don't think the Panthers feel like one of those teams that are going to be historically bad. And I, I know it's early on, but it seems like they, they feel comfortable, especially with Teddy behind center and their, their defense is at least serviceable Agreed. for now. And then the Bill O'Brien firing, I just, just how – some things happen in the NFL and in life that are just so predictable. Like I was looking at the schedule Agreed. and I was like – they're going to go 0-4, 100%. There's no chance they Big don't. Time. And then Bill O'Brien's going to get fired. So it's it's like if you look at that, if you said that to Bill O'Brien at the beginning of the year, of course he's going to rant about how good his team is. But from the outside perspective, you're like, this is going to happen. It's just like a matter of time. Agreed. Theodore Theories, what do you got? Excuse me, Lisa, but I couldn't help it over here. You're a nerdly predicament. Maybe I can be of assistance with the dancing and twisting and the kung fu fighting. Yeah, we, we got a bunch of trends this week. So um, some of them are continuous from last week, a couple new ones as well. Um, so first, uh, teams that are 4-0 at home in week five are 54.5% against the spread all time, 58.3% in the past three years. Um, so teams in this situation are the Chiefs and Seahawks this week. Um Again, we mentioned this last week and took the Packers, but for Monday night football favorites of seven or more since 2010 or 57.1% against the spread since 2010. Um, Teasing it would be 74% against the spread. Um, So the Saints are in this situation for this week. Um, Thursday night football home dogs are to be faded. Uh, So this this is a lesser percentage in comparison to the rest of the stats but away favorites are 52.9% against the spread since 2010, 56.2% since 2017. Uh, So this would be taking the Bucks over the Bears. Uh, Double digit favorites, uh, 59.1% against the spread since 2013. This is currently the Ravens and Chiefs, uh, potentially 49ers and Cowboys, depending on line moves. Teaser statistics, we talked about this a little bit last week, and uh, basically you had mentioned it earlier. If you had been following our picks and taking teasers, um, you'd be doing pretty good right now. So I think it's something that 
a lot of people are pretty unfamiliar with, but favorites of 7.5 to 9 home or away when teased cover 77% of the time since 2010, 80% since 2017. Uh, so a couple teams in this situation this week, uh, the Steelers, Rams, 49ers, Seahawks, Cowboys, and Saints. Um, these lines could shift, uh, bringing these teams in or out of that gap. Um, some new ones for this week, teams to start 0-4 are 28.6% against the spread in week five. So essentially bad teams continue to stay bad. Uh, so this would be fading the Jets in favor of the Cardinals, fading the Texans, taking the Jags, fading the Giants, uh, taking the Cowboys, and lastly, fading the Falcons, taking the Panthers. And then the last one uh, to follow up to the Bill O'Brien firing, uh, fading teams after they fire their head coach. Uh, so all time fading teams that fire their head coach the following week. Uh, those teams go 45.5% against the spread since 2010, 47.6% uh, against the spread all time, I believe. Um, and then it's a small sample. It's only five games since 2017. It's been 20% against the spread. So this would be fading the Texans in favor of the Jags. Um, this one, I, I think, is a little bit surprising just because we've talked yeah. a lot about um, pretty much just news altering the lines. Um, but it does make a little bit of sense when you think about it. Just uh, still bad. responsibility they have to bring, spread they have to, coach. Exactly, yeah. And just having the uh, quarterback connection and then play calling duties, if that's part of their role, um, can make a pretty drastic impact on a team. Yeah, this one was weird because it's like the initial thought as a better is that motivation factor. When they fire a head coach, usually they have a little extra pep in their step and maybe they get the monkey off their back. Or I don't want to keep saying these weird terms, but. The point is, I thought this would be flip-flop that they would cover, but I would think that that move, especially in the NFL, is reflected in the line. Um, and in most cases, the teams might just be that bad. But it is a small sample size, um, and it's not too big of a difference. 47% isn't that big of, a, of an advantage on the, the other side. So we'll see. Ready for Thursday night? Yeah, let's do it. What you doing in the club on a Thursday? All right, Thursday night football, Buccaneers minus three and a half versus Bears. Total here is 44, 65% of the actions on the Bucks. Some serious reverse line movement on this one, I believe right now. Uh, it is at three and a half. It opened at Buccaneers minus six, but the Bears are only getting 35% of the action, but the line's moving in their favor. My gut reaction was that the Bears had no chance here against the Bucks, just because I saw what the Bucks did in the second half against the Chargers. Um, and it was just like, maybe they figured something out. It seemed like every single play, the Bucks were just throwing it deep and completing passes, but I got to remember that that's only one half and how injured the Buccaneers are. OJ Howard out, Evans out, or Mike Evans is questionable. Leonard Fournette, I believe is questionable. Chris Godwin is out and the Bears D is also seventh in yards per play and have the second ranked passing defense. So you are playing a team away that has a great passing defense and remember that the chargers kind of just gave away that game Eckler went down they fumbled at the end of the the first half so if that game stayed in the chargers favor i think i would be more confident in the bears here bears likely won't allow brady to chuck it deep because of that passing defense 
Um, but the Bears are 4-12 and against the spread in their last 16 games, and they're 26 in yards per play this year on the offensive side of the ball. I need a little bit more from Nick Foles to actually bet on the Bears, and they're facing a defense in the Bucks that's second-ranked, that has a second-ranked rushing defense. I think I like the under, but I'm scared with the, the over-trend. Chicago has now gone under in six of their last seven home ga- home games, and those those totals have averaged only 34 points total. Two good defenses. Bucks have a ton of injuries. Bears have trouble moving the ball. At the end of the day, we got a low total, a home team getting points, and the reverse line movement in the Bears' favor. So, uh, if I'm just playing the numbers, I think I got to go with the Bears here at three and a half. Yeah, I like the Bears here. Uh, the Bucks are heavily backed. As you mentioned, they have a lot of injuries coming into this game. Uh, the Bucks are also sixth worst in first down efficiency at 34.2%. The Bears defense is third in opposing third down conversion rate, seventh in points allowed. Um, obviously, the Bucks defense has looked good as well, but between some of the early action, moving the line significantly towards the Bucks and then back towards the Bears, um, as well as being a lower total with 44 and a half. Um, despite the fact that Bears have yet to prove they can do much offensively, they just had a quarterback change, right? So it, it's not going to immediately click, especially after Foles really didn't get too many opportunities in preseason because it didn't happen. And then as far as getting backup reps in practice, just creates a disconnect with receivers and things like that. Foles since 2017 is 60% against the spread, 11 and five straight up, 68.6% winning games. Um, So I'm gonna take the Bears and really lean on Foles to open things up this week, uh, now that he's had a little bit more time with the offense. Yeah, I'm with you. And don't don't you hate when this happened last game, when the the Bears started driving when the last like four minutes to to score and only go down one score when the announcers are like, and you, you got to wonder why they haven't been doing this the whole game. It's like, cause they're in prevent <laughs> defense. What, yeah. like, what, are you, what are you talking about? Yeah. They're, they're literally giving that. Anyway, Sunday. Panthers plus two versus Falcons total here is 53 and a half money looks about split. Actually, now that I'm looking 57% of the action on the Falcons and this line is moving in the Panthers' favor. Some, some more reverse line movement here. For me, this is two teams going in the complete opposite direction. Falcons 0-4. Panthers have won two straight. I like the Panthers here. Teddy Bridgewater looks like a great fit. He has a 97.4 passer rating this year. Carolina also surprisingly eighth in yards per play offensively. I do worry about the red zone efficiency, but that's what I talked about last week as something that could possibly turn around. And through the first two games, um, first three games, that was something that Teddy wasn't getting done. But last week, he was four for five in scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Now they face an Atlanta defense that's 30th in yards per game allowed, 30th in points allowed per game, 29th in passing success rate, 20th in rushing success rate. I could keep going. The point is that they're basically in the bottom of the league in almost all defensive categories. Also looks like uh, one of their starting safeties was placed on IR. And Carolina's defense has been great at preventing big plays. That's one thing that I looked at here. They're 28th in the league in completion percentage allowed. So they are allowing quarterbacks to complete passes, but they're third in yards per attempt. 
So it's like they're just allowing these check down passes. They're making sure that quarterbacks don't go deep. So if you prevent Matt Ryan from getting deep balls converted, if you have a, a injured Julio Jones, you have Calvin Ridley who had zero catches last game. I just don't see where Matt Ryan's going to go with the ball. Also short week for the Falcons. And if you're looking at trends, which we always do, those support Carolina. Divisional road dogs typically cover early on in the season. Dogs are 33 and 18 against the spread against Dan Quinn. And Dan Quinn is 0-8 against the spread in his last eight games as a favorite before December. I do like that before December stat because it seems like they always just start off so shitty and then the lines actually adjust. Um, and then they start covering some games. But early on in the season, you want to bet against Dan Quinn. After a loss, usually some teams, um, some coaches get their teams going. Not Dan Quinn. 5-24 and 24 against the spread, his team is after a loss. And we already talked about teams that start 0-4, which is the Falcons here, are 28% against the spread in Week 5. Um, and then finally, Teddy Bridgewater, career, 77% against the spread. I, I love the Panthers here. Also like the oversee both teams moving the ball. But everything I looked at is just, just bet on the Panthers. Yeah, you texted me Monday about this line saying how ridiculous it was. And at the time, I, I really didn't have – any sort of reaction didn't. Yeah, you're giving me, you're giving me nothing. I was shooting off text to you, you know, when you're just like looking for excited responses and you're just like, can't, can't, can't give you an opinion right now. Yeah, it really didn't seem out of line on the surface without looking into anything. And then after looking at it, I a thousand percent agree with you. Uh, while the Fal Falcons can put up points, so can the Panthers. The Falcons are second worst defense in total points. Uh, they've given up 138 points on the season, which has led to a minus 32 in point differential. So the teams worse than uh, the Falcons for point differential are the Washington football team, the Texans, Giants, and the Jets. So it's really not good company to be in. I, I tend to look at point differential in pretty much every game. Teddy Bridgewater is third in the league in completion percentage. And at this point, I, I think there's still a um, probably notion for him being underrated, especially as far as um, the point spreads. So I, I agree with you. I, I think this is a ridiculous line now that I look at it. And I really think the Panthers should be favorites here. Nice. And while I talked about texting, I think besides my parents, you're the only person I know that still still rocks the K text. K you text? Shoot off K's. Yeah, just a simple K. Yeah. I would say I'll, I'll, quite often. I don't know about that. <laughs> I'll, I'll take some screenshots. I'll start liking your K text. Yeah, it could be true. <laughs> Maybe you just do it to me, which would be offensive. But what am I expecting from you? I don't need a lot of... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling since the uh, <laughs> last two weeks. I don't see a single K. I think you got the wrong guy. No, I don't have have the wrong guy. Yeah, you got the wrong guy. Prove it. I don't see a single <laughs> How K. far back are you? Uh, we're, we're back in September. Yeah, you are incorrect. You got the wrong guy. Got one. What? Tuesday, September 22nd. Me, I've got to drive to the Burbs Thursday. Let's do tomorrow night, 9 central time. Okay. Well, yeah, four weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, every every once in a while you get a K. We're on different time zones here, so, you know, sometimes it's super hard. early. All right. Oh, got another one. Sept <laughs> September All right. 16th. All right. All right. Anyway, 
So you get about back three, into the three a month. Almanacs. Yeah. K Texter. K Texter and me, normal Texter, both like Panthers. Let's get into the next one. Eagles plus seven versus Steelers. Money is about split here a little bit more on the Steelers than the Eagles. I've been high in the Steelers and low on the Eagles all season, but this does feel high at plus seven. Before I saw Ben Roethlisberger's quote, my, my initial thought of this game and overall was just that without preseason and with a bye week, basically, that the Steelers are going to get out of a groove and this is actually a disadvantage for them to have that week off. And then Ben Roethlisberger had to come out and ruin it and say exactly what I was thinking. So he said, got the short end of the stick regarding the disruption of the schedule. He added that he's just starting to get things ramped back up and the postponed game against Tennessee halted progress. So then I saw that and I was, like, I was like, damn it. He's saying what I said. So is he just like toying and making sure his team's like ready? I don't know. But well, I think I he's see- also saying he would prefer a later bye week because he's old. Correct. Yeah. Um, either way, I do think that with, with COVID, with no preseason, this is going to impact them. Um, but do you want to take Eagles plus seven? Not sure. It's just that the Steelers, to me, even though I was high in them preseason, they really haven't proved anything yet. They've won close games against Houston, beat them by seven, beat the Broncos by five, and beat the Giants by ten. It's a game with a low total that I, I do think I would like the under more than the over. I think both defenses dominate. So I do lean Eagles here. Hesitation, Steelers D is third in yards per play, first against the rush. Phillies D is also, or their offense is 31st in yards per play. And there's just so many injuries to watch for the Eagles on a week-to-week basis. Specifically, their offensive line um, is banged up. They're tied 29th in sacks allowed. And you have this Pittsburgh D who has an excellent pass rush. So will Wentz just be under pressure the entire game? But surprisingly, Philly defense is fifth in yards per play allowed and our first in total sacks this year and eighth in pressure rate. So hypothetically a low total 44 both defenses dominate Steelers come out slow Eagles are technically in first place so they still have motivation and winning is contagious maybe the Eagles get some some extra life here they did just beat a Nick Mullins led 49ers team so not really that impressive but I lean Eagles I'll, I'll keep my eye on the injury report and there's also a guy walking across the street from me that is wearing Steve from Blue's Clues shirt um invite him on I don't know if that's a Halloween thing, but he's rocking it. Anyway, keep going. Um, I think this is my least favorite game. I'm, I'm going to pass. I, I kept trying to find a reason to take either side, and I just couldn't find it. Um, I, I think I saw things on both sides of the equation. I would say I, I lean the Steelers if I absolutely had to, but um, – the lower total scares me off a little bit. The the gap from the quote by week um, is a little off base as far as like the timing and things as Roethlisberger mentioned. Um, I, just, I just don't have a good reason to take either team here. Bengals plus 13 versus Ravens. Total here is 51. 59% of the actions on the Bengals. This is a tough one. You got uh, a People dog getting... What's that? People love Burrow. Yeah, that's why I just wrote Wolf. I was, I don't know. I, I knew that this would be a game that the public would be all over the dog, which is something I usually like to bet on the other team, which would be the Ravens here. Yet another classic cats versus birds matchup. This made me realize how many cats and birds we have in this league. It's like 
a lot of laziness. Let's get some other some other mascots in here. Either way. Uh, take notice, Washington football take team. Take notice. I could see the Ravens blowing the Bengals out. Here's why. Ravens love to beat up on shitty teams. See Washington last week. They could have beat him by like 30. Washington just got some garbage points. Since he is last in the league in yards per play allowed, Ravens third-ranked rushing offense versus Bengals 27th-ranked rushing defense. Also haven't really looked great this year, as in the the Ravens, even though they're winning, even though they are 3-1, and one, I don't really think they've fully clicked yet, so this could be the game to do that. And it's typically profitable to fade rookie quarterbacks after their first win. Ravens D has nine sacks and they blitz 44.4% of the time, which is second in the league. So how is this terrible Bengals offensive line going to protect Burrow? Even if everyone loves Burrow, if he's on the ground, he can't really do much except maybe go to sleep. Not a lot you can do on the ground. Burrow has looked great over a thousand passing yards, six touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, so for the Bengals side, if you, if you're thinking about betting on um, divisional road dogs, typically cover, especially early on in the season, especially at plus 13, and opponents are 10 and 4 against the spread versus Lamar, Lamar Jackson as home favorites. Um, my worry with the Ravens, if I want to bet them, is I just see a situation where they go up so much, um, they stop playing their starters, RG3 comes in, and then Burrow has a classic backdoor mm-hmm. cover. And I think he is like 3 and 0 or, or 3 and 1 against the spread. So that's the worry. I do like the over. I think both teams move the ball and Burrow gets those garbage time points. Um, but I lean Ravens. Yeah, I lean the Ravens as well. Um, I, I do think there's still the Burrow effect, and that's why we see a lot of the uh, public action taking the Bengals, which is close to two touchdowns. We've mentioned all the double-digit favorite statistics and things like that, but I, I, I do think that the offensive line is going to continue to be an issue for the Bengals. Uh, Burrow's been sacked 15 times this season, which is second most in the season, or second most in the league. Um, the Ravens on offense, I, I, I think, are just going to outscore them. But I have the same concern that there is um, a backdoor cover potential. And I just think it's an unnecessary risk as far as uh, my super contest picks. So I, I am going to bet the Ravens, but I think there's – better spots for super contest entry. Exact same page. Jaguars plus six and a half versus Texan Texans total here is 54, 44% of the actions on the Jags. Already talked about all the stats with firing Bill O'Brien. So you can come up with your own narrative on where you think the Texans heads are going to be at. Six and a half does seem like a lot, but Watson should find success against the Jags D who are last in DVOA against the pass. Um, So could be a, a get right spot for Watson here. And you just saw what Burrow could do when he finally had some time against this Jags team. So maybe Watson does the same. Jags 13 sacks allowed, which is 25th in the league. So the Texans pass rush, which is historically decent, could get to to Minshew. Um, But I don't trust either of these teams. Minshew fifth in the league in completion percentage. So he's been good. Um, But their offense and their offense overall is ninth in yards per play. So you could look at the, the Jag side and say, I trust this offense, but I really do not trust this defense. Houston's also allowed the league worst 727 yard rushing yards through four weeks. So James, Rob, James Robinson should have a nice day. I'll take the over. Every stat I just said was basically against both defenses. And I do think, if anything, that extra motivation will at least lead to more points and more uh 
you know, taking more risks for, for the Texans. So that usually equates to more points. I just can't – the same thing as you had with the, the Eagles-Steelers. I was trying to think about where my head would be at with if I was holding either of these tickets, and I, I didn't feel comfortable with either. I like the Jags here. I, th- I think it's pretty asinine that a team that's 0-4 is favored by six points. Uh, the Texans are minus pretty 46. Pretty asinine. Yeah, Texans are minus 46 in point differential, which is third worst in the league. Uh, the, the Jags have outscored the Texans to date. Uh, the Texans' the offense is fourth worst in the league at 20 points per game. I just think it's a little bit nutty that they're favored by this much, uh, being that they haven't won a single game. We already mentioned the 0-4 stat, um, that those teams covered 28.6% of the time in week five. I, I did just now look into the situation where that's the case when the team's a favorite as well, and it's 30% against the spread since week five, so some consistency there. Um, the, this is a bet against the Texans, who has a new situation with their head coach, and um, it, it, it's hard to be motivated after starting 0-4, and then basically everything else is changing on top of it. it it kind of feels as if you're just kind of thrown in the towel. So I, I think there's going to be a lack of motivation for them as well. So I'll definitely take the Jags here. All right, I'll, I'll table that. All the all the stats have, as we talked about lean towards the the Jags historical stats. Just that Jacksonville defense worries me. You called this line nutty and asinine. Is there one more? What is it? Adjective verb you can give me? Um, ludicrous. Ludicrous. Like it. Luda. Cardinals, minus seven versus Jets. Battle of the flying things. Total here is 47. 75% of the money is on the Cardinals. Uh, you know, I could rip through all the stats here. The point is that the Jets are 0-4 straight up, 0-4 against the spread. They're starting Joe Flacco. Cardinals are a massive public play. They just had two bad losses against Carolina and Detroit, so a possible bounce-back spot. Um the stats actually don't look that good for Arizona. So they're 25th in yards per play and their defense is 20th in yards per play. But at the end of the day, it's just like, is it just the year to just fade the jets? No matter what, even if it's a public play, um, you're not going to see me putting money on this jets team. And uh, the recent struggles for the Cardinals do worry me, but I feel like I'm just going to be mad if I miss out on betting against the jets on a weekly basis. Um, I'm going to stay away from this one. I, I think there's a lot of unknowns between a mix of quarterback change as well as possibly return of Le'Veon and an undetermined amount of snaps. If you know who the most known start. unknowns are? 3-6. There you go. Nice. Um, yeah. Some reverse line movement in this game. Um... I think this is um, probably just a game I'm going to stick, stay away from. Yeah, I probably won't put it in the contest, but uh, maybe I'll money line parlay this with something or tease the Cardinals down. Uh, we'll see. Raiders plus 13 versus Chiefs. Total here, 56 action split. I think this might have been the other game, or maybe it was Ravens. I don't remember. No, I think it was this one that I was like, another text to you that I was like, did you see that line? Because – my initial thought is Raiders getting 13 points just seems so ridiculous. 
Um, but that's also what the public thinks. Uh, majority of them are on the Las Vegas Raiders. However, when I looked into it, the Chiefs games this year, I looked at the totals. So when the totals were set at 47 and 48, so hypothetically games that are lower scoring for Chiefs games, those are the two games that they struggled. That was against the Chargers and the Pats. And games where the total was set at 53 and 55, so it's supposed to be shootouts, that's where they dominated the Texans and then dominated the Ravens, beating both those teams 34 to 20 in each of those games. So it seems like they have no problem in these shootout games. And then looking at the past, I think, three matchups with the Raiders, the past three matchups, the score is 40 to 9 Chiefs, 28 to 10 Chiefs, and 35 to 3 Chiefs. This is just a team that they dominate. You total those scores, it's 103 to 22 in the Chiefs' favor. Chiefs' D is 6 in yards per play. They're fifth against the pass. Obviously, they've always been um, struggling against the run. Right now, they're 29th against the run. But the Raiders have so many injuries, specifically offensive line injuries, so they may struggle to even run the ball anyway. And the Raiders' D is mainly what I'm betting against. 27th in yards per play. They don't get pressure. They can't cover anyone. And historically, they just are not doing well against this Chiefs team. Seems ridiculous, specifically because when, when the line first came out, I thought there was no way I'd be on the Chiefs, but I, I do like the Chiefs here. Yeah, I think the the big thing contest-wise and, I, I, I guess, betting-wise is um, if this game will happen, um, which Why? is basically due to COVID. So the Chiefs had a pra practice player last week get it. They also played the Pats on Monday Night Football, which Stefan Gilmore um, tested positive for it. And the big concern that I, th I think the NFL has is he and Mahomes after the game kind of did like the sportsmanship yeah. uh, shake hand kind of thing. And then a Raiders defensive lineman also tested positive for it. So they're going to need continuous days um, with negative tests for this game to be played. Um, and I don't, I don't think they're going to allow the game to be played if Mahomes unfortunately gets it. I, I obviously hope that this game does get played because I like the Chiefs as well. Um, they essentially look unbeatable. Everything's clicking offensively. The question is really how much. And seeing a pretty high total for this game, upwards of 56, the Raiders giving up 30 points per game. Um, it, it's a situation I think the Chiefs will take advantage of and cover, um, but but the big unknown is basically you know if this game will be played, if anybody else tests positive, and just something to monitor throughout the weekend. Yeah, that's not ideal. Would hate to put them in when there was like another team we could have put in. Yeah, and exactly. Then see something happen, so we'll just monitor the situation. Rams minus seven and a half versus Washington. Total here is 45 and a half. Action is split. Kyle Allen back in the league. Dwayne Haskins, another situation where, like, obviously he's not that good. Like, it was just a matter of time. He looked terrible. We have Kyle Allen in, and the line has not moved, I don't think. It's just like, yeah, whoever. Whoever's playing quarterback yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah, whatever. Let's pick out of a hat. Uh, Washington offense has looked terrible. Now they got Kyle Allen in. Their defense has tons of injuries. The reason we didn't back them last week, actually bet against them, was because um, of their key injuries on their defensive line, which they is the the part of their defense that should win them games. You got a bounce back opportunity for the Rams. Also have the six ranked pass defense 
Um, that's for the Rams. So where are they going to move the ball? And you can run on this Washington team. So I do lean the Rams hesitations, Rams traveling East for the second straight week. And uh, they're giving up over five yards per carry. Antonio Gibson looks dangerous. And it just seems like Rams, I'm not sure if they're one of these teams that we can rely on blowing out teams on a, a weekly basis. Um, you saw what they did last week. I like the over, over is 10 and three and Kyle Allen starts. I think that's mainly because he takes risks, which leads to more turnovers, also leads to more touchdowns. And you have a banged up Washington defense. So this bounce back spot, I do think the Rams offense finds more success, but I can't really figure out a, a reason to bet either of these teams. Is this super yeah. contest line seven or seven and a half? Um, it is seven. Cool. Um, betting wise, I, I like the football team if it's seven and a half or more. Uh, so it, it, there's a little bit of the public news scenario that we've mentioned just being that uh, the quarterback change to Kyle Allen, I, I do think it makes this team better in my opinion. I think it's been understated that Kyle Allen had the Panthers relationship with Ron Rivera. So I think it's going to be a pretty easy transition. This is a lower total at 45 and a half in today's NFL standards. The turnovers have really been the issue as, as far as covering games. Um, I, I think we've kind of mentioned a couple of the games where we did take the football team where they basically lost the spread on a last second turnover. So if they can keep that in check at all, um, I, I like the football team here. Colts minus one and a half versus Browns. 60% of the action here is on the Browns. This is a very interesting game because it's technically strength versus strength. Colts are number one against the pass, number four against the run, where the Browns have just been dominating offensively, especially running the ball. They're number one. They have the number one rushing offense. Colts have held opponents to under 10 points per game and the Browns are averaging 31 points per game. So another strength for strength here. What it comes down to for me is there's all these stats to support the Colts, but who have they played? They played the Bears, the Jets, the Vikings, and the Jags. So you have all these stats that are inflated due to their opponents. Um, Chubb is out for the Browns, but it, it seems like they can run the ball with Hunt and Dearness Johnson. I don't know. I also want to fade this Colts offense, who's 22nd in yards per play. Cleveland's D is 14th in yards per play. They're fifth against the rush, 30th against the pass. But I'm not scared of Rivers. I'd be more scared of that that rushing offense with the the good offensive line. But you know, give me Rivers to throw a few more picks here. Also, 60% of the actions on the Browns, but uh, most of the money's been on the Colts. So if you're looking at it from a sharp perspective, it looks like most of the sharps are on the Colts. They're better coached, have less penalties, things like that. Uh, but I still do like the Browns. Colts are on back-to-back -back road games. I think the Browns' offense outscores the Colts' defense here. And Colts will try to slow things down, but I think Browns will have no problem trying in their defense to try to keep it faster-paced. Mayfield, three straight games with a pass rating over 100. And one of the main things here is that the Colts have three defensive linemen listed as questionable and a starting left tackle out. So you have Miles Garrett, who has five sacks in the past three games rushing Phillip Rivers, who looks like he's throwing a 30-pound brick. I mean, give me some picks. Give me some fumbles. Give me some sacks. Even if you don't get those, I, I still side with the Browns here. Um, I'm going to disagree. I'll, I'll take the Colts. I think schedule-wise, I would say the same thing about the Browns. They barely beat the Cowboys. They barely beat 
the football team. They barely beat the Bengals and they lost to the Ravens. Um, so it, the way I would see it is the only quality win was the Cowboys and they almost gave that game back. Uh, I would add to it saying the Colts are plus 47 in point differential, which is tied for third in the league. Defense has given up uh, league leading 53 points. Baker Mayfield last year was second in picks, uh, giving up 21 on the season. And I, I think facing a quality defense is going to be a challenge for him. I think without Chubb, it creates an additional issue. And then overall, the Browns have given up 126 points this year, uh, which ranks them sixth in the league as far as uh, points against. Um, so I think this is going to be an issue for him. I'll take the Colts. All right. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to change your opinion on that one. So maybe we have, so. a, have a side bet for that going on. We got Giants. This one is ridiculous. Let me see what the – okay. Super Contest, Giants plus nine and a half first Cowboys. Um, not believe it or not, I believe it. Even though Dallas has looked terrible, they are getting almost 60% of the action, mainly because the Giants themselves have looked terrible. Giants, one of those teams that are 0-4, so the trend to bet against them is in play here. But the Cowboys are also themselves, not also, they are 0-4 against the spread and have possibly the worst defense in the league. Bottom of the league in almost all defensive categories. So will this matter against a Giants team that is has a league low three touchdowns in four games? Believe it or not, I'm not sure if you'll believe it. <clears throat> I'm going to side with the Giants here. Their D through four games is actually impressive. They rank sixth in yards per play allowed, fourth in yards per rush attempt allowed, and ninth in QB pressure percentage created. Divisional dog early on in the season. Giants have covered both their road games this year, and their opponents have been the Steelers, the Bears, the 49ers, and the Rams. What do those teams all have in common? Great, great defenses. So Giants haven't done anything offensively, but they are yet to play a defense like the Cowboys that is – historically bad uh jones's turnovers should hypothetically regress you could look at this as a jason garrett revenge game or you can say jason garrett is trash and i don't want any part of him um so i'll leave that out of the equa- uh, equation but worth mentioning argument for the cowboys is that they're number one in passing yards third in overall in yards per play but for me it's like all those mainly have be- have come in garbage time they're losing 40 to 14 and then they just get all of these these crazy you know yards from from Dak, but it's like, what's he doing in the first half? So nine and a half seems too much for a defense that can't stop anyone. Since 2015, underdogs that open plus nine or plus ten are covering at an 80% clip. Uh, that's 35 nine and one. So I don't love it. I I do love it, but I hate that I, it's just the Giants, and it's like God damn it. But you got, I, in my opinion, you got to play the Giants here. I'll take the Cowboys. Um, yeah, I, I, I was like, I, I can't get past the fact that they've scored 11.8 points per game. So while the Cowboys defense has been an issue, it's not going to be against a Giants team that has struggled consistently to put points on the board. I think you start to flip it and look at the other way where the Cowboys um, have been putting points up consistently. I, I just don't see any situation where the Giants can keep up. All right. We might have problems here. Higher total well. of 54. Yeah, uh, I was just thinking that as well. Glenn Allen's calling me. What do you think they want? Why is Glenn Allen calling me? It's not a Glenn person. Glenn Allen Hill? No, just the, the, just, the, just the city. 
Prank calls, not prank calls, uh, spam Pretty calls. Good. That should be a rant. Like, how have we not figured this out yet? Also, just spam. Like, people that, like, I, I keep getting text messages like, you have a package that needs to be picked up today. Click this link. I'm not clicking that link. Did you get it? No, it's not real. I looked it up. It's a, yeah, they're trying a to get me. They're trying to take my shit. Anyway, Sunday night football, Vikings plus seven versus Seahawks. 56% of the actions on Seattle. If you have listened to any of the podcasts this year, you know my opinions here, which is that uh, the Vikings are the right side, but I just cannot back them. I went against the Seahawks last week, which through basically the whole game looked like the right play. Even the people I was watching it were, were like, how did we bet the Seahawks? The Dolphins were such a trap play dolphins are going to cover and i was just quiet like i don't know if they it's easy are, to say after the fact the seahawks are just like they're just this juggernaut of a team that they keep winning by one possession last 14 wins 13 have come by single possession but they keep covering uh they keep winning by like seven or eight points uh teams that are four and zero at home uh we talked about this historically have covered for me um I might actually bet the Vikings money line and just, I feel like the Vikings either win this or the Seattle covers. Uh, Defense is something that from the beginning of the season, Zimmer has been like, this is going to be a work in progress. And now we're into week five. So maybe they'll get better. CLD themselves typically gets better throughout the year, but I haven't seen anything I like from them. The worry here is just everything that that the, the CX are doing with Russell Wilson, just letting him chuck the ball, which looks successful. And then, Prime time, Russell Wilson twenty-two and nine against the spread. Kirk Cousins seven and fifteen against the spread. Um, some surprising stats: Minnesota fourth in the league in yards per play. Thought it would be way worse than that, and it's mainly because Jefferson is is stepping up, and uh, I think they're going to have a good opportunity to get a lot of passing yards against this Seattle defense. And uh, Seattle's red zone percentage right now is at ninety percent, and I think. Wow. In the history of the NFL, the best percentages have been like 70s. So that's something that, that has to regress. But uh, I, I would hate to put money against Russell again. Yeah, I, I would lean Seahawks, but I see a lot of things that scares me off of it. Um, some of it, seeing some reverse line movement. I, I do think because it's a higher total that favors the Seahawks. Um, but I, I know we've talked about this a little bit as far as Monday night favorites. Uh, but Sunday night favorites of seven or more, 14 and 20, 41.2% against the spread since 2010. Um, I, I do think it's a situation where the Seahawks are likely to outscore the Vikings, but I keep, I kept, I guess, flipping my confidence on it. Um, and I just don't feel too confident behind it. All right, one more Monday Night Football. Chargers plus seven and a half for Saints. Total here is 51. Actions about split. I God. like the Chargers here. I liked it at seven and a half more than the, the seven we're getting. Saints defense has given up 37, 34, 23, and 29 points. Breeze doesn't look like himself. Still hasn't showed me anything to make me believe they can beat a team um, like the Chargers by seven and a half or more. Worry for Chargers, Eckler's down. We saw how they performed when he went down last week, but obviously you have a week week to prepare. And the main thing here is that Herbert has looked very good. Had a 137.9 passer rating last week. Saints are allowing opposing quarterbacks to have an average of 104 passer rating. 
Chargers are also nine and three and two against the spread in their last 14 games as an underdog, 33 and 15 against the number as a road dog. Saints in primetime this year are 0-2 straight up and against the spread. They're 6-15 against the spread in their last 21 games, laying 7.5 or more. And they don't have this home crowd advantage, obviously. Chargers decent against the run, 15th against the run. Um, so should be able to limit Alvin Kamara to an extent. And then the passing game, if Michael Thomas is out, if Jared Cook is out, um, I love the Chargers even more. The The thing here is you've really got to keep your eye on the injury report. Is Michael Thomas going to be going to be back? A number of defensive issues on the injury report, defensive backs, Martian Lattimore, Janaris Jenkins, and then one of their guards went out. So um, I like the Chargers here. Again, another injury note, Chargers may have three offensive linemen that are, they're all questionable now. So this is another one. I just got to keep my eye on the injury report. I like the Saints. <sighs> And the Saints, you seem yet to put it together. Um, TBD on Michael Thomas's status. If, if they get him back, it frees up the rest of the wide receivers. I think despite being two and two, um, they're still a top five scoring team in the league, averaging 30.8 points per game. And it's really just been defensive issues. And I think when you take Austin Eckler out of the equation, a team that was already struggling to put points on the board. Um, the Chargers were 27th in points per game, averaging 21.2 and minus 12 in point differential on the season. I, I just don't see it as a threat to the defensive struggles of the Saints. So uh, I'll take the Saints here. Well, well, well. What are we going to do? We will discuss our options and be right back. Theo and I talked first week that we did not have too much agreement on the game. So what we did for our combined picks was found three picks that we both were cool with. And then Theo put one in and I put one in. So for the better coverage entry for the super contest, we're going with bears Thursday night, plus three and a half Panthers plus one and a half and Jags plus six. Those are the three we agreed on. And he threw in Colts minus one and a half. And I threw in Eagles plus seven. For Theo's picks, he's going with Panthers plus one and a half, Jags plus six, Colts minus one and a half, Cowboys minus nine and a half, and Saints minus seven and a half. I tentatively am going with Panthers plus one and a half, Chiefs minus twelve and a half, Eagles plus seven, Giants plus nine and a half, and Jags plus six. I may change those before the deadline tomorrow based on injury reports and COVID and things like that. So check me out at, at Top Tier Picks. I'll give my final Super Contest plays. If anything changes, we'll let you know it at Better Coverage. Follow us there on Twitter. We'll give out all our favorite plays, trends, anything else you didn't hear here. And uh, we'll also be writing an article breaking down every game. Check it out at bettercoverage.com. All right. Write us a review. Do whatever you want. And uh, have a good week. Bye.